is Jennifer at No Label Brewery, and you're listening to Drink of Ages Radio Show with John Denman. Come out to No Label seven days a week and join us for some badass beers on tap. Don't forget to visit our website at nolabelbrew.com for all events happening at our brewery. Hope to see you soon. I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, John Denman. John Denman. Hey everybody, this is Drink of Ages radio show. I'm your host, John Denman. DJ Muskratch, the producer. We are hanging out here at Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive, right here in the Montrose area. Come by, hang out, grab a pint or three with us, uh, and uh, yeah, enjoy some good times. Hope everybody's being safe out there and enjoying this uh, cloudy, cloudy, colder weather. Yeah, it just makes it makes it really hard to get off the couch. But if you're getting off the couch to go sit at a bar stool and Drink of Ages stop by because there's yeah, there's some good cloudy weather beers on tap, for sure. Uh, but this week's show, this week's show, we're gonna get a little serious. Yeah, you know, talk, talk a little more. Uh, I guess, I guess, yeah, just all around. Just uh, there's a lot of things going on in the beer world that is pretty damn important and can have absolute great effects on how businesses ran, how businesses are start up, on uh, decisions, on. Um, how much to brew, what to brew. I mean, just a whole lot of things going on right now. So we're going to be discussing that with Texas Craft Brewers Guild, the executive director. We have Charles Vollenrat hanging out. What's going on? Hey, John, how are you? Oh, man. It's just like, it's like I saw my platypus for, you know, staking their little surf and turf and uh, had their piney, their, their IPA over there. And that, that shouldn't have affected me as much as it has starting to show off. But... As we move forward, uh, also hanging out on this show, this week's show, we have a new startup brewery that's in the work right now. Symbolic Brewing is in the works of opening up. They've got the property, and now is a lot of decision time. So we're talking with Caleb Hawkins as well to kind of get his perspective on just, just trying to start a brewery right now in this environment. And... Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of laws that have been on the books that are not very friendly to to breweries, especially to the smaller craft breweries. You know? And then yep. when you're looking at uh, what is it, Charles Nationwide is it? Are we hit, craft breweries have hit 12 percent of the market share um, nationwide? Yeah, of, of a it was a share percentage as opposed to a dollar share. Uh, I think it's. I don't know the exact number, but it's it's up there 12, 14 percent. But uh, if you look at a dollar share, it's closer to twenty. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, dollar shares, dollar share is an interesting one uh, for sure. But I like looking at just like the the fact that there's four thousand. Bre- I mean, how many breweries are in the United States right now? I think it's over six thousand. Over right six thousand breweries that that are making up that twelve to fourteen percent. Yep. Whereas there are. Just a small handful making up the other eighty-five percent. Yeah, and so when when you look at and of course a lot of a lot of breweries that are opening now, you you don't see them trying to be big production breweries. Right, uh, it's just the environment and the economy's changed for that. But uh, but you're 
but still trying to fight for just a little bit of market share. And there's only a limited amount of people that are actually actively out there seeking to drink craft beer. And if there's 100 people and you have 14 of them going, you know what, I'm going to go try some craft beer. Out of those 6,000 breweries, there's, you know, 10 beers you could try at each one of them. So now all of a sudden there's like so many more beers per people than, than right. you're able to try. Fortunately, craft brewers are typically they have more than one pint. Yeah. And yeah. So that yeah. definitely helps. But uh, a lot to be consumed. There, there, there's a whole lot to be consumed. So it's at a time that we've seen just a tremendous amount of growth, a tremendous amount of breweries opened up in just like the last five years. Mm-hmm. The laws, what, what kind of sparked that, Charles, correct me if I'm wrong, was uh, when, they, when they created the brew pub permit. Yeah, so in 2013, we, we updated the brew pub perm, um, license that... Before 2013, a brew pub could only sell up to 5,000 barrels, and a brew pub could only sell on its premises. So you couldn't get that that brew pub's beer anywhere else, right, than where it was produced. In 2013, that that limit was bumped from 5,000 to 10,000 barrels. So that gives you some headroom. Um, and then also the brew pubs were allowed to distribute so that they could package their beer, keg, bottle, can, whatever it may be, and you know, sell it to another retail location, a brew pub, sell it to you guys, sell it to a grocery store, restaurant. Um, and so now that beer wasn't just available at that brew pub. So you could get availability of that beer elsewhere. You could grow that presence of the brand um, in, in a bigger way as opposed to one single location. So it made a really viable all, um alternative for a license now of course there's still a cap on that right and as you said a lot of breweries are as they come on board now um they have a new you know the business plan is going to be very local focused very typically taproom focused but still that ten thousand barrel limit is a cap on growth and so um at that point you you may have to switch to a manufacturing license and there's some downside to that, which we'll talk about, I'm so sure. Much downside to that. Yeah. <laughs> but you're getting punished for being successful. Yes. And yes. There's not very many breweries that start off and open their doors that are making 10,000 barrels. Yeah. Very and few. <laughs> what, 99.999% of them will never even hit that 10,000 barrel mark? It, it's, a, it's a small mark. Um, I mean, there's, you know, in Texas, we're just barely into the double digits on um, the number of breweries that exceed 10,000 barrels that are considered craft breweries. So, so why is that? Why is that a thing then? If it's not really going to affect most breweries and most how businesses are done, only just a few that actually can be successful in this. Right. Why? Why have a cap of 10,000 barrels? I, I, it's a great question, um, and I can tell you that you know Texas Craft Brewers Guild. The, you know, us, the Trade Association for the Craft Breweries, we're fighting to um, improve the, the capabilities for the manufacturing breweries. Um, you know, I think things are good for brew pubs, but there's some limitations that, you know, like for a brew pub can't hold a winery license, a distillery license. A manufacturing brewery can do that. And that so there's some difficulties where people have to make these decisions which license. You know, why, why this one little little problem with beer to go i i don't i can't tell you the rationale except that the middle tier the distributor um, and wholesalers of the state are set against it because it's a change 
and um, they just simply do not want the status quo to change. We can show them data that will demonstrate that improving, I mean, adding beer to go sales in a tap room uh, and tap room sales in general actually increase overall sales of a certain brand because someone goes and tries it at a, a tap room on a visit, you know, maybe the even coming from out of town, that spurs them to, you know, get connected to that brand next time they're out at a re another retailer, grocery store, whatever the case may be, they buy that brand and sales increase. So there's a benefit to tap rooms that the wholesalers are just not embracing. It, it works everywhere else but Texas. Yep. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, why? It's like, no, the rest of the states have it all wrong. Yeah, you know, guys. And, and it works with every other liquor or alcoholic beverage uh, license in the state of Texas. It works for brew pubs. Everyone's great with that. But it works for wineries and distilleries. Why is there one group that's singled out to not be able to have that right? I mean, everybody knows the true answer to that. I mean, it comes down to, you know, market share and, and the dollar, yeah. you know, just trying to maintain as much as they can. But mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, Texas being, you know, known for supposedly you know, being a business-friendly mm -hmm. state, yeah. it, it puts these restrictions on just, just one industry. You take you take the same ideas and apply it to any other industry, and people are just scratching their head going, this, this why would you do such a thing? Well, yeah. People would be up in arms in other we're, industries. We're the final frontier for the wrong reason. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Uh, you know, talking about brew pubs, isn't it also that they can only distribute up to 1,000 barrels? So, and, you know, every, every state has um, some form of the three-tier system, and that means you're supposed to have a manufacturer... A distributing you know, group, independent distributing group in the middle, and then the retail location in Texas. And, and across every state, there's some small exceptions to those hard, fast distinctions so that um, things can flow easily, right? Because if, it, if you do that really hard, fast wall between those tiers, it's, it's hard to create a new business and get someone up and running. So everyone has some kind of exception to spur business growth. Um, so, so, Texas is lucky in that our manufacturing breweries can self-distribute a, a good amount of beer, up to 40,000 barrels. Um, brew pubs can only self-distribute 1,000 barrels. Now, they can, you know, all, they can, of that 10,000 barrels that they can make a year, they can distribute up to 1,000 barrels. They could just sell all that on site. There's a lot of flexibility. But, yeah, that the ability to um, self-distribute is, you know, it helps a business get started. It's hard to attract a distributor to get interested in your beer when you're small and just starting off because, I mean, they've got, they, they move volume, right? They're going to grocery stores and putting stuff on shelves. A small cra uh, craft brewery, a brew pub that's just moving a few products, it's, it's hard for them to get excited about putting that in a limited amount of spaces. So that self-distribution is very helpful for the craft, the, the, the brew pub, to build their business and become attractive to the distributors. But, uh, yeah, that 1,000 barrels is, is a bit restrictive. And um, if, if we could raise that, that limit down the road, that would be great. Um, but uh, but why, it, that would well, help honestly, build. But why have a limit? I mean, if, if a brew pub wants to be able to distribute all of their, like I said, a manufacturing brewery can go up to 50,000. Yeah. Right. So... It, it was just, uh, you know, how things were negotiated. Uh, it was um, something that was put in by the distributors to, you know, before they would even consider 
supporting the bill, and so it was it was accepted. Um, just so that the basic rights could get done, so that brew pubs could make up to ten thousand barrels and do some distribution. Um, yeah, we we'd like to see increased. That being said, it is a regulated market. We do, as craft brewers, we support the three tier system. We understand that there's a benefit to having these this independent middle tier, but that independent middle tier shouldn't have a stranglehold on the industry and keep it from growing. We want to be able to work together and say, look, you guys aren't going to go work with breweries that are below X number of barrels. Let them self-distribute up to that amount. That way they build a business for you and you can come in and partner with them after that and already start with a, a book of business to say, okay, here's all the accounts that I'm distributing to. So we, we should be able to find that middle ground, but uh, we haven't been able to get to the table on that discussion. Let's take a break, get some more beers, and we get back. We'll talk more with Charles Bellenrat, the executive director of Texas Craft Brewers Guild, and then we'll get Caleb Hawkins, Symbolic Brewing, get his perspective on things. Three pages, be right back. Middle Tap is killing it with their IPAs, Heavy Hands, Justin, Houston Haze, Draped Up. All have been phenomenal brews. With all the tasty releases, man, don't forget about Hop Gusher. This has been one of my favorite go-to beers for a while now. 6.5% nicely balanced with a blast of hoppy aroma. The citrus taste and slight bitterness makes this a crowd pleaser. Grab some Hop Gusher and make this a regular in your beer fridge. If you are a fan of good beer, then come by Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive in Montrose. We have over 200 beers with 32 specially rotating taps of badass beers, cider, kombucha, and cold-brewed nitro coffee. Take a 32-ounce growler or build a mixed six-pack to go. You can even bring your own growlers in, and we will fill them. Drink of Ages Pub, badass beer for here, badass beer to go. All right, we're back to this Drink of Ages radio show here on ESPN 97.5 FM in... Yeah, we're hanging out here at Drinking Bandits Pub. I'm John Denman. DJ Muskratch is here. Uh, yeah, snagging away. But um, talking with, we're talking legislation, we're talking laws, beer laws, uh, things that are pertaining to starting a brewery, opening a brewery, running a brewery, distribution, uh, all, all the things that go into yeah, just, just having, making beer and trying to get it in people's hands. And a lot of a lot of laws have not been in favor of that. And recently, through the Texas Craft Brewers Guild, been a gigantic push, uh, actually, you know, creating their own political action committee to counterbalance the, the distributors that have their own. You know, they're trying to trying to keep the stranglehold on the whole industry. And so we've seen seen some really good changes here recently, but they're just like small little steps that need to be much bigger steps. So executive director of the Texas Craft Brewers Guild is here, Charles Valenrat, and from Symbolic Brewing, Caleb Hawkins is here. So uh, if if you're listening to the first segment, we kind of got into the brew pubs, manufacturing, and amounts that you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do, and different things. Uh, when, When brew pubs, when that license passed where a brew pub up to 10,000 barrels and you're able to sell beer out of the tap room uh, you can sign with the distributor mm-hmm. after you know they, you can still sign with the distributor to distribute your beer 
but you can't produce more than 10,000 barrels, but you can sell as much as you can out of the tap room leading up to that 10,000. That 10,000 can be a combination of through distribution or tap room, right? But your total production sales, your total sales has to be below 10,000 barrels. Oh, we saw we saw a lot of manufacturing brewer switch yep. because yep. it now all of a sudden, because, well, the laws before that were you had to have a tour and you couldn't sell a beer. You couldn't for even, you know, to go or to consume on premises. You could, but you could sell a tour and that tour could include a beer. Yeah. <coughs> as long as that, if, but that beer had to be free. Right. And so if someone had come in to a tour and said, I'm not doing the tour, but I want a free beer. They had to give you a free beer. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's something that I, I never understood. If, you, if there are very simple workarounds and it's actively being worked around, then that law doesn't make sense. Whatever that rule is just doesn't make sense. Right. You know, there's just, just no reason for it if all I have to do is take two steps to the left and all of a sudden it's, okay, it's legal now. Yeah. yeah. Sell you some tokens and all of a sudden, oh, here's your, here's no, your beers. Here's your beer. Like, you're not oh. buying the beers. You, you've bought these tokens. Yeah. Like, yeah. They just so happen to trade in for a beer. Yeah. And, and you see, you saw, well... I mean, for a while, that's the only way you could do business. Yep. And that's the only way St. Arnold could have people coming into their tap room, no label as well. You know, mm-hmm. they had, they're having 800 people show up on a Saturday right. and doing tokens. You know, doing tokens. And so whenever that, that, that actually, when the law changed where manufacturing breweries can sell out of their tap room, that was a giant cash influx for those breweries. It's a cash influx. Um, it's, uh, I mean... But the great news is it was also a lot of jobs, right? Because these, before 2013, if you went to a Texas brewery, basically there were like two hours that they were open on a Friday or a Saturday if you were lucky. Uh, we'd have people come in from out of town that were accustomed to going visiting breweries and, and getting to see the, the, you know, the cool production and sit down and have a beer. And it was very different in Texas. You, you know, there was a small window where you'd go and you'd have to go listen to somebody for a while before you get a beer. Um, so it changed things a lot, and at first, a lot of breweries were just, they weren't prepared for tap rooms, and they had to, to gear up and um, hire staff and work out tap room hours and stuff like that, where today, I think we're in a pretty mature spot where you'll go visit a brewery, and they have very, um, you know, regiment, they have regular hours, and they're ex- extensive hours, and you get to know the bartender there, you get to know the whole experience, and... It becomes a local regular. Um, and then we've had some breweries that have even opened up with just being a tap room, primarily a tap room focus. You look at Holler, mm-hmm. and, uh, I mean, that's that's built around the tap room experience. Yeah, right? I, think, I think it lends a little more legitimacy to the business as well. It's not so much yeah. of a novelty anymore, and it's much more of a, hey, this is like a pub. You can come in here and have our beer. We've yeah. made it here. Meet the people who have made it yeah. and you talk to them to personally. Brand, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 When you go, whenever I travel, yeah, that's what that's what I look for. Some small brew pubs that pop in and hang out, and yeah. and, and, and it's, it's for the experience. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, Holler was a great example. And but that's but still, it's like in Houston, it's like, all right, what breweries can we go to? It's Monday. Yeah. It's like uh, I think <laughs> there's, there's I think three. There's one in Conroe. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. yeah. There's not very many. Platypus yeah. is open. Yeah. Uh, Eighth Wonder. Is yeah, open. Having, They're open wonder, eight yeah. days a week. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, like I've, I've had friends come in midweek, and it's like, well, you have till Thursday, then we, then we can go do some stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, goes there's there's St. Arnold, right? Uh, you can, but all the rest of them, just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Yep. 
some on Thursday. So it's it's still still We're growing. There. But yeah. hey, it's a lot better than two hours on Saturday. Absolutely, <laughs> it is. Step yeah. in the right direction. Step in the right direction. Uh, but it's just interesting when you go to other cities and how how much more freedom when you walk into uh, the breweries. You just kind of feel the freedom. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and, like, yeah. And to bring it full circle, the freedom, you can walk in there, you can go on a Tuesday, and you can enjoy the beers, meet the people, and then take a six-pack with take you. Take some back with you. And like, wow, that beer was really great. Like, I'd rather buy it here from you guys than in a store that's going to take me, I have to take another Uber to. Or yeah, the, the, you're already there. And so that's, that's the, the, the beer to go is just another shocking Thing that's like this yeah. is just now coming around yeah. to to be a possibility to be a possibility. Yeah. It might not even happen, but just as a possibility, it, it's actually you know been something we've pushed for in every legislative session um, since before I was even part of the guild. So back in 2011, it was something that was being pushed for, and um, it was actually part of the set of bills. In 2013, that in, that actually allowed on-site sales for manufacturing breweries and distribution sales for for brew pubs, it was in there, and then yeah, it got yanked. It was a uh, at the last minute, it was a sticking point that the whole thing would have failed if it it would stayed in there. So, um, you know, you, you have to win your battles when you can, but it's it's the battlefront now, and it's something we've been pushing for for years, and we are doubling down as much as we can this session and that's you mentioned the the pack um and i'm sure we'll talk about this beer to go marketing stuff we have but uh we are putting every effort we can behind it this session and people ask what's different a lot of things are the same it's going to be an uphill battle don't get me wrong but we want public involvement and if you go to craftpack.org and go to the craftpack.org slash um, action page, it'll tell you what you can do to get involved. You can sign a petition. You can write to your representatives in the state legislature. Um, you can share this information on social media. So we, we want to get out in front of the public. We want to get out and have the public connect with their legislators and make them aware that this is something that the consumers want. So if it's Something that breweries believe will help their, their business, something consumers want, because, I mean, that's what consumers do is want, um, and it's only distributors that are standing in the way, well, maybe they need to make a decision to yeah. give the people oh, what no, they guys, want. guys, hold on. This is a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah. Why? I, I can't get into it right now, but yeah. it's just a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, the customers just need to vote with their feet. You know, the, the distributors in the state throw around a tremendous amount of weight and we're only we're we're trying to build that up and be able to throw around ourselves, but the fact of the matter is we're up against a heavyweight, and we're doing as much as we can to survive the rounds and uh you know the more help we get, the better yeah and people that love going to breweries and that want to want to walk in there and buy a six pack or a bottle from the from their favorite brewery yeah. need to look at these petitions and look at these laws and realize that it's better for everyone that enjoys going to craft breweries it's this isn't some poli- you know strictly political move this is Stuff that needs to happen. And also, you know, another help for distributors is um, with on-premise sales and to-go sales, your your tap room now acts as a, an incubator for what beers should be um, are going to do well out in the general market, right? And so, distributors are not going to want to put on every skew that you come up with this week and next week. You know, if you come up with a, a dozen beers, they're they're going to say, okay, I. I can't manage that in my system. Give me one or two that are going to sell well. Tap rooms where you figure that out. Tap rooms where you put those beers on and figure out, okay, that's a big seller. And 
that one's people are interested in, but you know maybe they don't want more than four ounces, right? Right. And when, <laughs> so, and there's there's only so much shelf space at the HEB. Yeah. That's just yeah. a fact of the matter. Well, but when they go to the ta- sorry when they go to the tap room though and they do enjoy that beer, they're not going to keep going back to that tap room if it's not convenient, right? They're going to go to their local grocery right. store and buy it there. So once again, benefiting the whole market, the retailer and the distributor. Well, there, there's a, there's a whole idea that uh, retail helps sell the brewery, and because a lot of people don't go to breweries, but they'll go try look at the label. You know, labels. As right. a big seller, so and yeah. they grab something like I like that, and they're like, "Oh, that brewery is here. Let's go check it out." And at the same time, it works the other way around. People are when you go to like St. Arnold, and you're sitting there drinking a, the Citrodos, and <laughs> then all of a sudden now you can go to H E B and grab one, a six pack of it. Right. And when you see, you're like, "Oh, I had that beer. That was really good." Let's Absolutely. Get some of that. They they work so well together, and yep. it's it's getting everybody to just play in each other's bubble in in an easy way. Well, let's be honest. That's the way craft beer has to exist. We can't buy $35 million worth of Super Bowl commercials. Like, that's not happening. And we've we've got to play the game differently. We just don't have, again, the weight to throw around. And so we're playing a a smaller league. That's fine. But, you know, it is what it is. We we got to play the game the way we can. The good thing is that you've seen uh, market share dollars and you know just percentage of uh, what people are buying uh, you've seen that increase yep. a whole yep. lot over the last five six years and hopefully we can see continue to see that uh, I have a few ideas that you know I think that that uh, approaches to the way that we approach it here at drink of ages about like we just kind of get rid of the whole craft beer all together like we're drinking good beer i mean this is this is but if you're or just you know just love that bud light man then just drink all, all of you want you only live once you know yep. enjoy what you like yeah but there's also a lot of other things out there that you should try and see if you like that as well absolutely right. so let's take another break and get back we'll talk more uh, about legislation and opening up a brewery so three pages great Whether a startup brewery or distillery or you've been around for years, the badass folks at Cash Branding has to be your go-to source for branded merchandise and apparel. Cash Branding does it all, from imprinted glassware, coasters, koozies, tin tackers, and bottle openers to dickies and red cap work shirts, t-shirts, and caps. Their apparel decorating options are top-notch, offering embroidery and the latest trends in screen printing, using water-based and discharge inks to achieve that super soft feel. Artwork services and samples are always free. Why go out of town or use multiple supplies for your branded merchandise keep it local like we do let the badasses at cast branding the official merchandise sponsor of drink of ages kick your branded merchandise and apparel up a notch give them a call at 855-376-7638 or check them out castbranding.com Radio show. Uh, we're here at Dreamage Pub, sitting talking with the executive director of Texas Craft Brewers Guild, Charles Wallenreich, and from Symbolic Brewing, Caleb Hawkins is here. Symbolic Brewing, you haven't heard much from them. I have because he's a buddy of mine, and so I've seen the sticker. I have a sticker on the on the wall. Yeah, yeah. I, I need a shirt because I saw him wearing a shirt the other day. I know someone that can hook you up. Uh, it's it's a good it's a good looking uh, it's That's a good, good looking logo. 
So nice branding with that one, but but you are in the process now of opening up your brew pub, and which now you know fortunately you can open up a brew pub. So yeah, we, we have to be a brewery. Oh, you have to. Be, that's right. You have to be a brewery with because brewery, we're seven hundred and sixty-three feet from a school. We need to right. be a thousand. And oddly enough, in the state of Texas, the laws differ between a school and a church. Apparently, where a school, it's as the crow flies from property line property line, and a church, it's door to door. Go figure how someone wrote that down, but there it is. But the, the the interesting thing is that you're you will still be making beer, correct, and selling beer on premise. Certainly hope so. But yet, you have to be a manufacturing brewery. Yes. That can't sell beer right now. You can't go to your brewery to buy a six pack. Correct. Just yeah, because you are just a few feet. From yeah, the and so that was when we found the location. We really, really liked the character of the location, and. We were kind of mixed feelings about it because we did have to negotiate that brewery versus brew pub license. And so many of the aspects of the brew pub license we really enjoyed, the beer to go, being able to sell other people's beer and wine, just make it much more of a destination because that's, after all, that's what we really want to do is make it a destination because of where we are. And the East End's up and coming. It's, it's growing. It's, it's slow, but it's going to be a really cool spot. But alas... You know, the school's too close. We talked to the city, and they're like, yeah, you know, we, we have to do a brewery license. And the fact of the matter is we really love the location so much that that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll be a brewery license. And who knows? The laws may change in the, in the near future. I'm not holding my breath. But, you know, things change, and we're hopeful for that. And, uh, you know, we, we think we'll do uh, pretty well out there. Being a, uh, and the, right now the big topic, was like what Charles, what you were saying, is being able to sell beer to go. Uh, if you were a brew pub and you walk in, you have something special on tap, you can get a growler or yeah. growler fill, take it to go, uh, take it take it home with you, share it with other people. Right. Yeah, you can. A little marketing machine. A very <laughs> nice marketing machine. Absolutely. And so hey, when you go to St. Arnold, uh, in which you'll be have the same license that they have that you, know, you go in and you can enjoy beer, you can enjoy food, just a, the whole experience, and then you you have to leave it all there, yeah, <laughs> and can't take any can't take any with you, yeah. So, uh, with with this whole push to to change that, I mean, it's and I, 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 I you know, any logical person would think that 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 could happen, right? And just like okay, well, this law this is dumb, just doesn't make sense. So let's go ahead and scrap that law. Let's go ahead and beef up the brew pub to twenty five thousand barrels, right? Because yeah, you know, that's that's another one that doesn't right. make sense. Or right. get rid of the difference between the two altogether. I mean, I don't know yeah. if that's. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's so the the laws are so complex, right? It's hard to make a call to say what would be the best way to to fix this by growing the brew pub license and everyone can become a brew pub or. Um, just giving you know manufacturing breweries beer to go. Uh, unfortunately, because the brew pub is a retail license, it it limits some people. I mean, it, you, Caleb's running into the zoning issue or the uh, location issue. Some people have investment issue. You can't have an investor if you're a brew pub. You can't have an investor that owns interest in any other manufacturer. Um, if you're a, um, a brew pub, I mean, well, a, a brewery can also get a wine, winery license, can get it a distillery license. We see places like uh, Ranger Creek in, um, in San Antonio, right? They, 
they've distilled spirits, yeah, they make beer. Real Ale does the same thing in Blanco. Eighth Wonder, um, yeah. Eighth Wonder's doing that now. Yeah. And you can't do that at a brew pub. So, you know, it, we'll have many, uh, sorry, distributors say, just switch to a brew pub license if you want to sell beer to go. It's a facetious argument. It's not yeah, that simple. It's not that yeah. simple. It's not. And, and especially if you have someone, and like I do in my camp, that's the business person, and they're looking at this, and they're just they're freaking out the fact that we can't do all these things. We're limiting ourselves based on this license. But again, we're trapped in by this zoning rules. It's like, this doesn't, I thought, I thought we were a, a very friendly business state, but here we are, alas, having to pick and choose our favorite child on, on what we do with this business. So I, I get the zoning laws. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I understand that. Yeah, I, I, I do. But having, have them, being so different. And, well, and uh, it's the fact that so the, so so our problem is an elementary school nearby, and it's like, why I, why can't I go to the the city and be like, hey, we're a brewery and a brew pub license. I, I'm not going to be serving seven year old ch- children a, a pint of imperial stout. Like that's not happening. Or barley wine. Or barley wine. Yeah. Let's face it, kids are more into barley wine. That's yes. up to their parents to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fortnite and some barley wine. Um, but I, you know. That's that's my limited understanding of how the the gears work in the system. So, there it is. Well, which uh, is really odd, you know, in Houston because there really aren't any zoning laws. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And you can have you know, well, you can have a, a brewery right next to a house, right next to a strip club, right yeah. next to, uh, you know, a pawn shop, right next to a Papa's. Yeah. And a gun store sitting there. Massage parlor. Don't forget. Massage that. parlor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A shotgun massage parlor. I like it. Uh, uh, that's, that's just. We'll, we'll move on from that one. <laughs> that's, apparently, that's a dark, dark road to go down. Apparently, here in the strip center, Allstate, they moved out, <laughs> and a massage parlor is coming in. But they haven't. They haven't said if it's a late night massage parlor or I'll, 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 early afternoon. Yeah, massage I like parlor. how massage parlors in quote air quotes. Yes. Like, <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are in Montrose. Yep. <laughs> so it's, That's true. It, then, then again, you can take a, a have a jacuzzi bath in beer in Europe, apparently, which awesome. is uh, apparently. That's, I don't well, know. I, I, I'd rather be drinking that beer. Yeah. I don't I feel kind of sticky getting out of that. Well, I, I, you know, talk to a lot, a lot of the local breweries. You know, they will dump a whole batch. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's something wrong with it, they do not. And, and that's what they should be doing. I mean, we want yeah. to make sure the quality is always there. Yeah. So talking to breweries right now, we had to dump a batch. I was like, next time we do that, I'm going to go by Walmart and buy a above ground pool. Yeah. And let's just fill it up. I, <laughs> and I've, I've, yeah, I've been on the receiving end of a hop geyser before. You, you only have to do it once or twice in your uh, professional brewing career to realize that that was a terrible, terrible idea. And yeah. There, there needs again. to be a rinsing place after but yeah yeah, yeah it was yeah. still just be like yep i i swam around in a nice you know yeah. not good enough to drink but great enough to swim in ipa right? hey, hey <laughs> and you smell great for all the broopies that might show up later you know that's true. Any, any bath where you have to take a bath hot. after that yeah it's not really a bath yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun uh but now with, with with so much stuff going on uh with with this time around when when are they going to be actually sitting here discussing this law? Like, what's the time frame? So we have two bills that have been filed uh, to enable beer to go. We have two, sorry, two bills have been filed. Um, one in the House and one in, in the uh, Senate. Um, in fact, I'll give you the names. Let's see if I can do this from memory. Senate Bill 312 and House Bill 672. 
and their companion bills they really they say the same thing but they'll go through both houses of the uh, both chambers of, of the legislature and um, you know what one of the nice things about it is they're bipartisan one of the the house bill was introduced by a Democrat out of Austin Eddie Rodriguez and the Senate bill was introduced by a Republican out of um, the, the Hill Country, uh, Dripping Springs, and Blanco, uh, Don Buckingham, Senator Don Buckingham. And so, and, and in fact, in both party platforms, in the Democratic and Republican Party platforms, last summer they adopted language that said they support beer-to-go sales. So, I mean, it's, it's a bipartisan, supported, uh, you know, idea from um, both these areas. But the, both bills have been filed Committees have just been created in the legislature, so they're just starting to get to work to start hearing um, testimony on bills. We anticipate that uh, the, the real work will start happening in later February or into March. And what will, the process goes, you have to get a committee hearing. They review your bill at the base, um, you know, the base, the face of the bill to say, is this something we want to move forward? And that's when we actually do public testimony. Um, so we'll get a committee hearing. Then after committee, assuming it gets out of committee, there might be there's often a lot of negotiation within a committee hearing. Uh, once it gets out of committee, eventually it's got to go through some process. But it eventually it gets to the chamber floor, House or Senate, depending on where the, you know who's in, who's in the lead, and um, uh, you know hopefully it gets approved on the cha- at the chamber floor. And then the other chamber, who may be a little bit behind. They'll, they'll, if, if the bill got adjusted in one chamber, they'll look at the bill in the other chamber, say, okay, are those adjustments good? Can we marry these bills to be the same? It'll go get uh, voted on in that chamber. And if both chambers pass it, then it goes to the governor's desk. And the governor can either sign a bill and it becomes law. He can ignore a bill, just, just not react to it. It becomes law. <laughs> Or he can actually veto a bill. So um, hopefully we'll, we'll pass and he'll Two sign it. Two out of three it. is not that bad. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. so hopefully he'll, uh, you know, we'll get through the, the process in the House and the Senate and we'll land on Governor Abbott's desk. Shaking your head, John. Uh, no, no, no. You can't, you can't yeah. see this in the radio world, but it's just, you wonder why things never get done. <laughs> it's just yeah. why it takes so long the to get anything. The red tape is real. The red tape definitely is real. And then, but then, uh, you know, when you have yeah. so many representatives in in the House and the Senate that that aren't really paying that much attention to it, but they're assigned to these committees, mm-hmm. and so they're just like, "What do you guys think?" You know, I mean, are they are they really looking into the matters? Do you think? Yeah, actually, that's the beauty of the committee uh, process is because they get they get a specific area to focus on, and so they that committee does spend a lot of time getting to know the bills that are in front of them and hearing testimony and hearing, you know, just effectively being lobbied prior to the committee hearing about what's beneficial and what's not beneficial about the bill. Um, So, I mean, it gives us an opportunity to focus on a a smaller body of people um, to work with and convince them the benefits of our bill so yeah, there's. I think there's some benefits to the to the committee uh, structure. Obviously, you know, there's a little bit of luck in the draw as well. Luck of the draw as well because how the committee gets filled. Um, you know, if, if a committee gets filled and there's not a lot, and 
somehow with representatives or senators that don't have a lot of breweries in their district, which is really hard to do, but it can happen, um, it makes it a little bit more of an uphill battle. Yeah, and I think it comes down, to, again, to just have people having a voice, like giving us, yeah. signing that petition, calling calling the, your, your representatives and getting the getting the word out there that people do care about this stuff. It's not just some some wacky idea that some people have that that can get ignored left and right and you know it's it's getting people out there and letting the politicians know that this is what they want so we have um over eleven thousand names on our petition today absolutely and i guarantee you walking to a representative's office a committee member's office with the full printed petition right you know a, a stack of paper yeah. right and say these are the people that support beer to go yeah. here are the ones we've sorted this in you know in district order right here are all the people in your district that support beer to go are you really looking to go against their wishes yeah that's powerful politicians so, love numbers and yeah. you know that's just the way it works and again Big distributors have a lot of weight to throw around, and we've we've got to match that. You yeah. know, we, we've got well, to come that's up and what that's what I want to talk about when we get back from this next break. Is if these are the bills that were introduced by by this side of it, what bills were introduced by the other side, and and, and then what kind? Of, I mean, what, what are they trying to achieve? So maybe you guys can uh, talk about that for a little bit. We get back, we'll talk more. This is Drink of Ages Radio Show. Be right back. with Sean from Platypus and man, I want to say congratulations on your anniversary and man I had some of that Space City coconut porter 5.6% delicious I know you can find that around town well something else popular that you guys do is the surf and turf Wednesday nights yes I mean Aussie in Texas so what else would we do for a steak night but put a couple of prawns on it so a 12 ounce uh, rib fillet with uh, a couple of prawns and and a pint of your choice all for $20 and then what's the happy hour special you guys have yeah, every Thursday and Friday evening from 4 till 7 p.m. There'll be happy hours and brew tours for those who are interested and uh, come down and uh, enjoy. All right, stop by Platypus right here just off of Washington, real close to downtown. Come grab some pints and man, grab a steak, some prawns. Good night. You are listening to Drink of Ages Radio Show. I'm John Denman, DJ Muskrush, a producer. I uh, want to thank everybody for tuning in for sure. And yeah, we're sitting over at Drink of Ages Pub. Stop in, have a pint with us. Here, not all the time, but a lot of times. You know, you find you find me sitting at a corner and very very happy to sit around and talk beer with you. Oh yeah. So stop in and hang out with us over at the pub. And so we've been talking, we've been talking legislation and just 
absurd laws pertaining to craft breweries that don't exist anywhere else in any other industry that, that absolutely inhibits growth of a business. And uh, if you're listening, uh, great. If not, then you, know, you can go to drinkbages.com, listen to the show once I post it next week, but uh, SoundCloud and iTunes as well. But Charles Wallenrod, he's the executive director of the Texas Craft Brewers Guild. He's here. And then Caleb Hawkins, he has a brewery in planning. Symbolic Brewery opened up on the east side of town later this year. So he's right in the middle of uh, being forced to certain permits and certain certain licenses because of his location. And, and then it, it kind of pigeonholes him to what he's able to do at this moment. So with these laws. Yep. <clears throat> The big push for this one, well, actually, before, uh, the last segment, uh, what I wanted to touch on is, is these two bills that, you, that are being pushed now for, you know, one to sell beer to go, uh, which is a big one. And what was the other one? Our two bills are both beer to go. Both of them they're are beer just, to go. They're okay. just Senate and House. Just Senate and House, that's yeah. right. So there's got to be, you know, if this is, this is this side that's pushing for this, what's the other side pushing for? Yeah, and um, I, luck, you know, I guess I'll, I'll consider myself luckily I don't have insight to what, what's going through their minds, but I imagine it's dark and murky. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I can tell you what they've done in the past. Uh, last session was a particularly ugly session where they, we would consider it punitive um, legislation. They introduced legislation that limited the value of craft breweries. They... they um, they put a. Uh, they changed the law. The, in 2013, the law was adopted to allow craft breweries to sell beer in their tap room, and there are some caps. A brewery has to be below 125,000 barrels. That's a. That's a. Um, that's a decent chunk. I'm of beer. sorry. 100. Sorry. 225,000 barrels. So right now, double that almost. Right. You could it's add a, like almost every craft brewery in, in America. The state. <laughs> Just about. I can tell you that um, in the state of Texas. If you take out one large craft brewery in the state and you add up everybody else's production, it's between 500,000 to 600,000 barrels, right? That's all the breweries in the everybody. state. So 225,000 barrels is a big number. But that being said, if you know you have to be below that number to sell beer in your tap room. If you get above that number, you can't sell beer in your tap room. That's fine. That was calculated by how much are you selling at, for your entire brewery? How much are you selling at that lo- from that location? Uh, the distributors came in and said, well, you know what? We want to change that calculation. If you have ownership from anywhere else, if you have anybody that's affiliated with you that uh, sells beer in any state, in any form, we're going to count that into that production, into that number. Um, so now breweries that were have some ownership from large multinational breweries uh, suddenly don't qualify. And that, that, you know, understandable. We, we get that. But the it put a cap on the growth opportunity and the valuation of breweries um, because now if a investor or a bank providing a loan or someone does the valuation of that brewery they say okay well but you lost you, if you grow you lose that tap room capability yeah you've got a long runway before you get there but we're gonna still we're gonna we're gonna lower your overall evaluation number because you have that limit on you. So they effectively, without changing almost anybody's business in the state of Texas, 
they lowered every craft brewery's value in the state of Texas. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it was just a useless, punitive piece of legislation. And frankly, they, they sold the legislature a bill of goods that, you know, that this was protective of the craft beer market in the state of Texas. And I tell you, the people that it would impact or per- supposedly protect, they didn't want it. The craft breweries didn't want it. Um, but uh, the distributors did a did a lot of work to get that bill passed. Yeah, yeah. The fact the fact that matter is you have these huge breweries like the Budweiser out on I ten. You know they they make more in a day than fifty breweries make in a year combined, and it's it's those guys that have no interest in having competitors. That's just the fact of the matter. And at the last minute, they got a grandfather clause. Yeah. And so they can still sell beer yeah. in their tap room. Um, yeah. I am shocked. With, I, I with a hint of sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that is completely shocking and mm-hmm. I'm floored by this whole situation. Yeah. I am shocked. You make eleven million barrels at one location and you got exempt exemption from it? Man. Wow. Well the the bad part I mean, even with all that, I, the the if you just if you produce so much then you had to go through a distributor to distribute it back to your tap room. Yep. And in order for you to sell your own beer, you had to go through a distributor and yep. bring it back to the tap room. Man, it just it just yeah, that, that's how any yeah. any f- so you know free market pro business or, um, region in the world. How could anyone look at that and say that that makes a lot of sense? Yeah. Right, where I'm gonna I'm legislated to have to pay someone for beer they don't touch for me to sell my own product. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, you they they take you know 25, 30 points out of your back pocket just to sign up with them, and then you're just yeah. And then you're married to it. The state, as far as I know, the dis- distributor contracts are For damn near close written in blood. But it's, it's written in somebody's blood. It, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> For damn sure. Yeah. Well, th- this time around, uh, we were talking about the big push is for... It's just to be able to go to a brewery and buy beer to go. To go mm-hmm. to a manufacturing brewery, which is a whole different license for the brew pub, uh, which... Yeah, we kind of touched on that a little bit. Neither one of them really make a lot of sense, but that's what we're playing in right now, right? That's those are the fields that that the craft breweries have to have to kind of do their do their business in. So, having beer to go for breweries like St. Arnold, Buffalo Bayou, when they open up, uh, you know, these big production breweries that that are uh, for you, as, as a matter of fact, for yeah, symbolic since yeah. you're you know just a few feet. Too close to a school, right? Uh, that, uh, but being able to go in there and just buy, buy a six pack to go, go. buy a crawler to go, so especially beer. I mean, it just anywhere. This is a, Texas, is the only state that does not allow that to happen. Yeah. Yep. And so I just don't understand how there's an argument against it. I don't. I don't think there is. I don't. I don't think there's an actual argument there, other than. Fingers being put in the dike as it starts coming apart and holding it back as long as possible. Yeah, and we we actually believe that instead of putting fingers in the dike, let's fix the dike a little bit so that the lawsuits, the out of state, uh, I, you know, enmity, just the, the the hatred of the system doesn't cause it to collapse. Let's yeah. make it modern. Let's allow people to grow. So yeah, we don't. God, if the, the three-tier system were completely blown up, that would not be good for the beer industry because it, it's too entrenched in 
you know, 80 years of that system. So it can't change overnight, but let's, let's keep it from being so brittle that it cracks. Yeah. yeah the, right now, I mean, tear it all the time from people that come in and, and right, for some reason, craft, craft beer has become this fighting passion for so many people, which is good. You know, it's good but when, when times like this for yeah. the beer to go, when, okay, let's rally the troops. This is what needs to happen, right? And this is what, this is, just get out there and sign the petition and let's try to get these laws changed. But it's just really become this just strange, strange, like almost people want to fight, you know, because of their passion for craft beer. Mm-hmm. And when I hear it all the time, I was like, oh, we got to get rid of the three tier system. Yeah, no. It's like, no, no, three tier systems actually, it's not a bad thing. It's just how they all, everybody works together is just not right. Yeah. Yeah. We see other states that have updated the three-tier system and have positive beer interactions between large beer distributors, small beer, everybody. Um, you know, California, Colorado, other, other Washington, uh, Oregon. You know, a lot of positive outcomes. And the three-tier system will not fall down or just, you know, crumbled because I can go to Caleb's Brewery and buy a growler. Yeah. It's not going to destroy yeah. it. Yeah, it's not going to be Mad Max in the next month after yeah. <laughs> after the law changes. Yeah. You know, humongous is not going to take over after that. It's not. <laughs> I no, that's where you know it's just the, the whole idea of uh, these these bills that are being pushed through that just make sense. It's like we're just now. I mean, and like you said, you've been fighting for this, trying to get that, but you know, a little bit at a time. Yeah. But the fact that. Yeah, I remember in the mid '90s when brew pubs were popping up all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like that—that's that would have been a good time to have fixed all these laws, and right. we would have seen a lot more brew pubs around Houston and the state yeah. if, if that would have changed then. Yeah, Houston has really been kind of behind on the brew pub model, and uh, you know we're seeing some some brew pubs pop up that are a little bit more manufacturing breweries, but they can use the brew pub license, and that's great. That model works for them. Um, but if you go, you know, like you were saying earlier, Monday night, Tuesday night, who's open? Sometimes that brew pub model allows uh, a little bit more flexibility. It'd be great for Houston to kind of catch up there. Absolutely. We need it. So let's make a shout out to the Pine House Pizza guys to open a Houston branch. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I'd be down for that. They make damn good beer and pizza. And pizza, yeah. Yeah. yes. Or, yeah, I'm sure somebody's listening that has it in their mind, like, Open up something, yeah. yeah. Let, let, let's yeah. get more. Let's get more brew pubs. City Acre and Platypus yeah. are, I believe, the only two true brew pubs in Houston that are actually serving food. That sounds about Making right. food and brewing beer. And the, and the fact of the matter is, it, it, people like them that have businesses that are open, and people like me, we're not looking to take over the world. We we want to make beer that people enjoy. We want people to come to our places, have an enjoyable time, and then come back. And if you enjoy it a lot. You can take some beer with you. Take yeah. it to the beach. Take it on your flight home after you leave. Yeah, Houston take it to Thanksgiving, Texas. right? Share yeah. it with your family. Stop by, have a beer. Like I, I just want people to get together and have a good time. That's what beer's about. Well, it's a very interesting time for mm-hmm. beer in Texas, and uh, and it, it all couldn't have happened without the, the Texas Craft Brewers Guild. Absolutely. So Thanks. appreciate all that you do and. Uh, man, no, let, let's get these laws changed and make it right, and we'll actually see business just just make it make it more accommodating to, yeah. to make beer and get it in people's hands. Everybody loves beer. 
Yeah, everybody loves beer. Texas yeah. is friendly for business. Let's make Texas friendly for beer. That's exactly. It. All right. Well, thank you guys for stopping by Drink Bages Pub. I want to thank everybody for listening. You can listen to any of the old shows sponsored by No Label Brewing Company by going to drinkofages.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, and other places around the internet. And while you're at it, man, go out there and grab some No Label Squeeze and Twist. If you just need like an all-day-long throwback beer, a little over 4% IPA, but you get your citrus, you get tropical fruits, all that stuff, just built into a nice, easy-drinking IPA, six-pack cans, draft on here at Drink of Ages Pub. Get some no-label squeeze and twist. Uh, Man, everybody be safe out there, and talk to you guys next week.